it's a little stock. Base soul, take one. It's a big old fat motherfucker called. Blazing buzzer buttons. Big rigor inspection, spatial. Under my feet. Huh? Look, the biggest heavy band of all time. I wouldn't ask you to do a drum roll if your arm fell off. There was an incident with uh, the pyrotechnics. Hey, Kirk! Squillions of dollars and squillions of people. How the fuck are you, Lars? Piddly wants and wills and needs. Lars Ulrich, drums and bongs. What the fuck does that mean anyway? I hate that fucking camera, man. Well, since we started. I'm talking about like a fucking live gig. You see this for, right? What really gets my dick hard? Mommy. Hey, this is Chris Jericho Fozzi, and you're listening to And Podcast for All. Order me a cheese pizza, damn it! Welcome back to On Podcast for All. I'm Shane Obershaw. And I'm Jeff Winslow. One hundred. That's three digits, Mr. Winslow. I know. We've made it. We have officially made it now. I, I feel like I'm a century old. I don't even know how to act. A hundred. I didn't think we'd get to ten. I didn't think we'd get to fifty. So yeah. Dude. Right there with you, man. Ultra extra special guest, as I like to put it. Everyone's special on Podcast for All. But tonight is an ultra extra special. Like extra fucking special. Like on the next record. Yeah, on the next season. <laughs> well, this season. Season 8, episode 2 of All Guests to Bring Back. I'm not a fan of looking back in the past and having repeats because people think you run out of ideas. But our guest tonight was extra special to us over a year ago. You, mm-hmm. you got to bring back someone that was memorable, had fun, and I think I really want to celebrate with Mr. Filtzol for 100. I agree, and I think next to Chris Jericho, he's our... I think it, Phil's number one as far as most downloaded, right? Phil, most downloaded guest, and I thought over the past 99 weeks, who's the one we talk about the most when you and I are on tour or in an airplane or reminiscing about a podcast for all? And it, it always seems to be Phil, so I want to celebrate 100 with him. It's because when you have Phil on an episode and he talks to you, he he gives you that sense of like... Not only does he, he, he's really good at breaking you down for one without even trying to. Oh, last just time have I that, thought like, you and I were in family therapy it was great. Right. And, you know, I, but you almost, you feel a sense of uh, security with him. Like, you know, you can just tell this guy anything. You know what I mean? I think for Phil 2.0, I'm going to send you the bill for the hour of, of group therapy, Jeff. Of, of group therapy. Yeah. You know, um, maybe he'll take a check. <laughs> Traveler's checks. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of traveling, I am still healing some wounds from our show last weekend in Destin, Florida. Look at that blister right there on my hand. Yeah, that's a nice one. You know, we had a great show in Destin, first time at Club LA, had a great opener, all or nothing, a bunch of really cool kids, up and coming band. They definitely made us work for our dinner, but you know, I had a good time. We had a good crowd and I can't wait to go back. I also got sunburnt uh, the day we left. Uh, Pizzle and I went. Asians can get sunburnt. 
Of course. Of oh, course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got sun. I want, you might even be able to see a little bit of the tan line from where it was to, to there, but it was bad. So like my whole forearm was like actually legitimately burned. Cause we went to Chris's friend's house and you know, gotcha. we're right on the water. We're hanging out on the deck, sitting in the sun. P- of course, Pizzle goes and hides underneath, you know, in the shade because he doesn't do heat. But- oh, it's too hot for him. I got to get out of here. It's too hot. It's 75 degrees. It's too hot. <laughs> so as I was driving home for eight hours, you were just throwing back some beers at the beach. I'm jealous. If throwing back beers, uh, you know, right in, it's like a, uh, a port almost. It looked like there was like a bunch of boats and stuff like that. Like it was oh, a really cool. nice area, but you know, they had peel and eat shrimp and, you know, they did shrimp Ooh. oil and beers and whatnot. And I didn't even think it was that hot outside. So I'm no, just sitting beautiful. there and like two, two hours go by. I'm like, all right, I'm feeling great. I get to the airport. I'm like, oh, fuck. I took my watch off, you know, to go through TSA and just straight, you know, I look like Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob and then looked like SpongeBob <laughs> on the other side. So it was, Poor it was Jeff. not a good situation. Yeah, I know. It was not good. <laughs> well, you're sunburnt. I'm blistered. I had to drive home eight hours. It was a hell of a show, Club LA. I love the opening band. Like you said, all or nothing. They're from Alabama. Some some young, fine gentlemen that can shred. And as I watched shred. them, I said, uh, Shane, you better step up the AA++ game because these guys are throwing down. The crowd is going nuts for them about three or four songs in. And let's be honest, you and I haven't played since October, and we had to knock some rust off and really kick it into high gear early. But a hell of a show. Had a lot of fun. And Jeff got your wish. Close with bread, fam. We did close with Bread Fan, and it, it turned out well. I liked it. I felt like Seattle 89. Bread Fan. That's all he says that. I forgot that. <laughs> and quite the weekend, you and I are on stage when we learned that Mr. Taylor Hawkins has left us way too soon. Way too soon. We'll have to talk um, to Phil about that. I just watched Foo Fighters' movie, Studio 666, that horror movie they did. Mm-hmm. And... You know, seeing Taylor Hawkins in that movie, you know, he was one of my favorite characters, probably just because in the band, he's always been one of my favorites. You know, I loved his his cover band he did. What was it? Chevy Metal. Mm-hmm. Love that cover band. Great singer. Great drummer. And his story is amazing. I mean, he was he was with the drummer for Atlantis Marset way back in the day. And, you know, he had a drug problem. And Dave Grohl, you know, he helped him out in the the comeback is always greater than the setback, as they say. And his success story was amazing and definitely gone way too soon. You know, we know the cause of it. It's getting to be a headline way too much that we're way too familiar with. I think of Dave yeah. moving on. I mean, you lose your, your first best friend in Kurt after mm-hmm. dominating the world for four to five years. And now you dominate the world with the Foo Fighters with Taylor. I just read his Storytellers book, uh, Girls book, a couple months ago. I think I mentioned that on the show. Yeah. Yep. And Taylor was, you know, next to Kurt, his other best friend. It's like you lose two monumental musicians that were rock stars, but more importantly, your best friends. I mean, what does Dave do now? It's going to be interesting to see. I see the fight. The I see the Foo Fighters canceled all their shows, rightfully so. Yep. Yep. And it, it's going to be an interesting year to see what what decisions get made in that camp if they folded up the tent. I sound like Lars now, actually, from some, some kind of monster. If Foo Fighters folded up the tent and walked away, I don't think it would surprise me. No, I don't think it would either. And Not I think they've left, they've left enough of a legacy. You know, it would bum me out because it is one of my bucket list bands that I've yet to see. I've never seen Foo Fighters. Just, what? Never, oh, dude. No. I've never got the opportunity. Just, you know, whenever awesome. they're around, I'm not around and vice versa. 
and it was always one of those bands that I really, really wanted to see. And now it's like, even if they did continue and they get a different drummer, it's not going to be the same energy. I feel like no. the only way it would maybe be okay is if Dave hung up the guitar, let the other two guitar players take everything, and Dave fucking Phil Collins that shit and plays drums and sings. <laughs> Literally, the only person that could the only person that could replace Taylor is Dave, but unfortunately, he's the singer. Yeah, I don't I don't see it happening. I, I don't also, either. I also think of the day of the sad day when one member of Metallica dies. You you don't replace at this day and age and this point in the game any of them. No, no. I don't mean that in a bad way, but if it were to happen, it's like who replaces who in in that caliber of a band now? It just doesn't happen. Yeah, and I think I agree. the Foo Fighters this late in the game. I mean, they're not old; yep. they're they're younger than Metallica. But you just it's. But they've had a, they've had their late. legacy. Absolutely, and and do you wrap it, it up? It's a little late. Yeah, well, and they don't have anything else that they need to prove. They, a late, you know, a Dave Grohl. I actually came home the other night and watched the Wembley Stadium show. That one's amazing. It's a great show. Oh, great show! Don't they open up with the Pretender? Yes, that song, man. Just the way the crowd. I mean, that's one of the greatest opening songs. Just that snare, ta ta ta, when it Love kicks it. in. It's just such a high energy song. There's what a hundred thousand people or whatever in Wembley what, Stadium. 80? Yeah, eighty. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. I think that Wembley show for them is kind of like a Seattle '89 to you and I, especially for the Foo Fighter fans and probably for. You know, just a lot of concert viewers. Mm-hmm. That's that's up there. Absolutely. That's up there. That's one of the the most iconic for sure. Well, I think it's iconic that you and I made it to week one hundred. We have not missed a week. That's the thing that I'm. <laughs> that's the thing that I'm most proud of with my crazy ass schedule, your crazy ass schedule, my travels, touring in the band. You're a full time mm-hmm. family man. How you and I crank <laughs> right. this out every week for a hundred weeks without missing one? I am. I'm pretty proud of that. We're pretty accurate. We we don't miss a beat. You know, we're as accurate as is Will Smith hitting Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I have tried to forget that this week because it's dominated the headlines and I'm honestly kind of tired of it. But yeah, great me too. great use of a segue. Maybe we'll ask Phil about <laughs> that as well. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to get his I'd like to get his take on it and see what he thinks about all of that. Proud of you, man. 100 weeks. Let's let's shoot for 200. I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah, here's a hundred more. Hundred more. Let's go to the Bay Area. Ready to rock? Let's do it. Episode one hundred, season eight, episode two. Let's just call it a hundred. Phil two point oh, Mister Doctor Phil Toll. Good to see you. What's it been, Couple Phil? Months. If you can believe it, it's it was a year this week, a, a year ago this week. What's happened since then? I've gained <laughs> twenty pounds and I now have two chins. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so, dude. <laughs> Phil, thanks again uh, for joining us. This is our one uh, hundredth episode, and when Jeff and I look back on the last hundred weeks, you were the most downloaded guest of all the guests. We talk about you the most, and you're the most memorable. So we wanted to celebrate one hundred with the one and only Phil Toll. I agree, one hundred percent. I'm only as good as the next one, so. But we had such good rock. memories, Phil. It was it was a good time. It was <laughs> it was it was a great time, really was. And we talked so many serious things. I think to celebrate the uh, the hundredth show, we we need to lighten it up a bit and add a little bit more. I'm good with that. How, you, how you feeling about that? I'm I'm good. So let's if we're going to be funny, let's ha- have some fun. Let's start off with the the Eastern European War. Wait a minute. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> real so. fun, right? I don't think so. I don't think we better not do that. Right? How times have changed since uh, we talked a, a year ago. Things have definitely changed. 
Let's let's send the boys in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. There you go. Let's face it. Music brings people together. Maybe we can uh, get them to do a little bit of negotiating with some heavy metal. That's right. No, really. I mean, that would be interesting because we can't. The politicians can't do it. Yeah, they can't figure it out. But if you if you went with Metallica to fight, no, I didn't the say war, I was going. I didn't okay. say I was going. If if you're sending the boys over to war, what what kind of war songs do you think would be in the set list, Phil? For whom the bell tolls. Okay. <laughs> what about one? Right. One. For sure. I'm going to go with Fight Fire with Fire. That's good. Wow, there's so many good songs. I mean, Metallica continues. I'm looking forward to the next the next uh, album. I think that makes three of us. Mm. Do, do you have any inside scoop on when we can expect that? I do not. I do oh, not. Oh, man. And he's like, even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Those darn NDAs. They'd have to kill me, right? Phil, before I forget, I got to congratulate you on the uh, LA Rams Super Bowl victory. Shane, thank you very much. And that, that was, that was, it's always, I think I, I don't know what I remember. I don't remember what I said about my relationship with the Rams besides working with them, but I grew up. That's my team, my first sports team. And my dad taught me how to read oh, wow. uh, from the LA Times sports page. So uh, they came in in 46. Uh, I was seven. Shit. <laughs> I'm, coming I, I, up on, I'm coming up on my hundred. I was right. going to say something, but, but I weeks. wasn't. Gonna, I wasn't going to insert knife and turn. <laughs> hey, it's better okay. he said it, not you, Shane. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> right. So, uh, what do you guys? Who do you follow? What do you guys like? Phil, you're you're going to hang up on this call, but since I was a Joe Montana, a Roger Craig, Jerry Rice fan, 49ers fan all the yeah. way. He's like, well, yeah, on the. Yep, there we go. Yep, <laughs> slam, slam the phone, turn the camera off, exit stage left. I Listen, in- the 49ers are going to be tough again this year. And don't, you know, really. I a lot so, of good Phil. teams, though, this year. A lot of good teams. Everybody's going crazy, trying to load up and all sorts of changes. I grew up uh, in Minnesota, so everyone thought I was a Vikings fan, Phil. And then everyone hears the 49ers and they say, Shane, that's just because of Metallica in the Bay Area. And I said, I knew Montana, Rice, Craig, and Ronnie Lott well before I knew Metallica. Just yeah. a dynasty, right? So I mean, so well, tell me what you know. What let's what's going on with you guys? Seriously, what what's happening? Or comically, what's going on? And what does the hundredth mean to you? That's a that's an impressive feat by itself. I'll tell you, I you know, and I've said it a million times on this episode or on this episode on this show. Each time we get to a new milestone, I tell Shane, wow, I didn't think we'd make it there. I didn't think, we, you know, because we really had no game plan set when we did this. Like, no, we legitimately never has been a plan. <laughs> no, and we legitimately wholeheartedly didn't even know if we'd make it through a full season when we first started this. We were like, let's just get a teaser out and just see if it even if it bites. So the fact that we've gone through, I think this is our eighth season that we're on now. Hundredth yep. episode. Eighth I mean, season. Wow. Yeah, it's really kind of taken off, and it seems like we get really good feedback from our listeners. We have a bunch of really loyal, super nice listeners. They've sent us gifts. You know, Very they come loyal. out. Yeah, they come out to shows, and you know, it's they're writing in a lot of great things. Sometimes a lot of negative things, but that's all right. We enjoy that too. Um, <laughs> it, it's fun. It's it's definitely been a rush, that's for sure, and it's something that I didn't think I didn't think I would have this much fun just you know speaking to people. Well, it's only, it, this is me, okay? And this is not only what I do, but it's me. So the, the logical, first of all, congratulations, you guys. I mean, that's really, Thank you very really much. is impressive. Thank you, I sir. Like, I like the, 
the fact that you did not, you had, uh, your passion led you to do something creative. You did not know what it was going to be like. Okay. Because I think one, one of the big issues for, for human beings today, and this is gets me off on a tangent, but I'll just be short about it, is that we're, we're not, we're, we want to make everything comfortable uh, and certain. We want, we don't want to take steps in relationships. We want to do something unless we're sure of something. And uncertainty holds the key. If we can be comfortable with a, an idea, like you had a concept, and then just go do it, then it creates its own self and you, you go along for the ride, right? So what, if, what do you think that you, Jeff, what did you, what have you learned about the program? What have you learned about the relationship with you and Shane? What have you learned about yourself? What, since, you know, you brought up the, I'm, I'm just asking both of you, but I'm, I'm mm-hmm. zeroing in on you. So th- there's, this is a, an eight year child that you've got, you guys have co-created. It's, a, it's amazing. <laughs> and you got, you got some, you got some feedback. You got some, you know, things that people like, people are talking with you about what they like. Um, what have you learned about yourselves? Well, I think Shane and I, I mean, we always knew that we were fairly similar, you know, from touring around the world and playing shows. But I think doing this show, we realized we're a lot more similar than we think we are because we tend to say a lot of the same things. We have a lot of the same ideas. And, you know, I just think that chemistry as far as like how we have structured our show and, and, and you know, come up with segments and things, things like that. We found that we we work together very well. You know what I mean? And I found for myself that trying to be creative, it sometimes can be a challenge, but it's, it's fun. I enjoy it. So that was like a little bit of skimming across the surface. That was good info, right? But deep dive a little bit (laughs) and, and, you know, get into the more of the particulars, right? Your audience (laughs) is listening. They want to know what, you know, what you really think and feel. So what did you learn about yourself? And like, um, you know, what's an example you're talking about you and Shane are both creative and you, Someone's calling. I got a caller coming in. Just a minute. It's Lars. Lars, right? It's spam from Bronx, New York. The Bronx. Oh, it's Rick Rubin. They want me to be doing something, right? So what? Go ahead. I mean, what? What's? Go a little deeper. Share a little bit more of yourself. uh, Whatever spontaneously comes up, and don't worry about certainty, right? Right. Um, I think it's not being afraid to say what you feel, you know, not that I've ever been afraid to to speak my mind, but speaking to somewhat of a platform and having, you know, people listening, sometimes you feel like you're, you're questioning some of the things you might say. And I feel like it's made me feel a little bit more comfortable with just kind of being me and just saying what I need to say and not worrying about backlash sort of say i think that's kind of part of the reason jokingly we brought our little hate train segment into our show is because it's like you know there's always going to be some kind of negative feedback no matter what you do no matter what you say and if we can kind of make light of it gets people entertainment for lack of better what's terms. one thing that you've said <laughs> thank you what's one thing you've said that uh stirred up either controversy or that you felt was either either way. I mean, something that you said that you that came out of you, uh, a situation that developed uh, that that drew a response, a strong response, positively, or, you know, positive or negative. Yeah, it's it's our opinions. Whenever we whenever we like share our true good, opinions, what would be a what would be an opinion you have? Oh man, off the top of my head, 
I don't know, Shane. Was something maybe that the listeners reacted to? Shane, what do you think? It's every week where Jeff and I make a top five, top ten list of dreams, wishes, wants, or or reviews of Metallica's 40, 40 years. And you get five people that love it and 20 people that want to delete you. I would say delete that. Do they want to delete the list or they do want to delete you? We talk about, you know, whatever's current or whatever we find is, you know, goofy that's going on or whatever it is. Just something, you know, to kind of introduce the show, if you will. Phil, the tough part is, is, is the world we're living in now with, with politics and cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And every day that Jeff and I kick off, or every week Jeff and I kick off a new episode, it's usually five or ten minutes intro of what we've done for the week or what the current event is. And, you know, you go from everything from inflation to, you know, Jeff's gas prices to Putin to having our friends on from Ukraine and Russia as guests. And you, you just can't avoid it these days. And there's some weeks where you want to scream and say, I don't care what anybody thinks. And there's some weeks, for the most part, Jeff and I are pretty respectful and keep it pretty neutral. But this day and age, it's getting tough. It just, it just seems like as I get back in the swing of it with you guys, which is nice to be with you, it's like the, the two of you are of a comfortable place for people to go to share what's on their minds as well as listen to what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you've gotten feedback from 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 your audiences uh, along the way and people what you described as people are, are responding. So it isn't about, I think you guys are saying this and I am saying for sure. It's like not about whether it's positive or negative. It's about the engagement mm-hmm. and you're giving people, people, you know, if you don't say anything, that's okay too. But, but if you offer your own opinions, then you're going to get reactions from people, but people are comfortable apparently. Right sharing this and they need to do that we, we need to be able to talk with each other but how times have changed in the last two to three years phil what were you thinking there shane i agree but i mean what were you thinking there? how many people have been canceled and you, and you think of uh you know the pop music world and just the other night as an example at the at the oscars how things get so blown out of proportion that we shouldn't be worrying about that stuff but it's headline news now and isn't it, it sad that I've seen crazy. more about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock than I saw about Russia invading Ukraine? Mm-hmm. I would say in an 18-hour yeah, uh, period, I saw more in an 18-hour period about the Will Smith incident than the Ukraine incident in five days, easily. Boom. That is so – see, now that's a quality – this kind of discussion we're having right now, to me, is what people really need to be able to reflect about. And, mm-hmm. and you're, and you guys are saying, hold it, hold it. Um, there's something wrong with our society that, that spends more time on, a, on the Will Smith, Chris Rock situation, uh, and entertainment in general, in a way, than some of the issues that we all need to rally around and do contribute to ourselves from ourselves. Right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So if you guys, have you had any discussion with people about that? I mean, what, what are you getting so far? Uh, we haven't. This is uh, Jeff and I played a show last weekend, Phil, in Destin, Florida. And this yeah, is a, okay. This so this is, is the uh, first. Yeah. This is week one hundred. We have a different guest on every week, so we haven't right, we, exactly. we haven't even done an intro for this yet. We just signed on and hit record, and and yeah. here we're all you're, here. We are with Doctor fr- Phil. <laughs> you're so the first guest we've talked to about this. It's an honor. Well, I mean, do you have some more thoughts about it? Or- I'd be more curious to know what you think about it. 
I think, you know, I, I, under, I try to understand both sides, right? Or all sides, right? But my heart is with what you guys have said. And that is that, that they were, it's just, it's a, um, a, a moment in time that we have to go over and over and over replay and, and till we, re, you know, it's just, it, we're wasting time with that. If I want to yeah. go deeper with it, I think I understand that Will Smith um, took offense and he's representing his wife and he's, you know, he's concerned about what was, what was being said. Uh, I, I think he was being, I mean, you can interpret it a lot of different ways. Maybe I, I would be interested in what Jada Pinkett thought about it. You know, yeah. I would be interested in her, whether she was offended or whether this was like a, a Will Smith making a statement, using that as a situation, convenient situation to, to uh, promote himself some. I don't know. And Chris Rock, I thought, I mean, that's a comedian. This is the whole the purpose of having him there is to do that kind of shit. He's a com- yeah, he's a comedian. And and Don Rickles in my generation was the guy that would do you know insult everybody. I mean, it was the, <laughs> oh yeah, it he was would like, get canceled in two minutes nowadays. It's, it's right. That, you wouldn't even exactly know who he right. is. Which I exactly. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? I think it's you know people have gotten a little too soft. I, I really do. I mean, what, since when did we go from? You know, sticks and stones may break my bones to words may never hurt me to now it doesn't matter. Actions don't matter. It's about words nowadays. It really seems like people's feelings, opinions, words, all that stuff. Not saying they're not valid, but that's like the number one thing versus, you know, actions of what maybe someone is doing. Where do you draw the line? You know, you have someone walk up on stage and slap someone. Back in 2004, there was there's a band called Damage Plan. They had a guitar player, Dimebag Daryl. A, a fan ran up on stage because he was mad at the guitar player for for breaking up a previous band, and he shoots and kills him on stage in front of the whole crowd. Not to, I'm not trying to compare that to Will Smith, but it's where do you draw the line? Yeah, this man is standing up for his wife. He's doing that, but he's at an award ceremony. He just runs up on stage and uh, you know assaults someone. So to me, it's a very thin line that. People don't know which side to choose. Do you do you pick the one side or do you pick the other side? Shane, you were nodding. What what are you thinking? I, I agree with everything he said. It's you know, dime from Pantera gets shot on stage to now you're getting slapped on the national stage in front of five, ten million people, and now this is okay. This is just a another award show. These are two celebrities that have a Hollywood elite status, and you let it happen and let people get away with it. What's that saying for other generations? Imagine if Mel Gibson would have got up and slapped Chris Rock. Imagine what That's would right. be happening right now. Just, That's right. I mean, or be, you know, someone like Blazing Saddles would not be in the theater today. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like what, what, what we're talking about. The way that the psychological part of me goes with it when, when I'm looking at a situation like that if I want to take something out of it is I try to identify a project onto it. What, what about Will Smith exists inside of myself that, that I need to take a look at? What about mm-hmm. Chris Rock that I need to take a look at? Like, cause the, with the Putin thing that what's been helpful to me is to look at the bully part of me and see, I mean, I'm not somebody who would start a war, but I've started wars, if you will, at a, at a, at a personal level by sure. trying to be too controlling or trying to be, uh, trying to, force my opinion on somebody or force my actions on somebody. Well, we saw that you had all your post-it notes in the studio, Phil. 
<laughs> you know, obviously you were a very, very big part of some kind of monster. It takes a very deep personal dive into a band that is extremely famous, their vulnerable state. Now, you know, we're talking about this whole, you know, Will Smith thing. And obviously his wife, she does this, you know, red table, whatever thing where she, you know, they talk about their personal life and it's out there for the public to see. Now, as someone that was part of a project that basically gave an inside look to, you know, someone famous, do you think that, That is something like if you're in the spotlight, if you're a celebrity, if you're famous, do you think you should be opening that door to let the public see who you really are? Because I've heard many speculative things, you know, from other people saying like Will Smith shouldn't have he shouldn't go out there and put his personal life out there. People don't want to know that, you know, he's up here crying or his wife is cheating on him or this and that. You know, that's Mike Lowry from from Bad Boys. Like we want to we want to see this tough guy. So do you think that? Is is that okay, or do you think they should keep their life a little bit more private? You know, because especially nowadays, when you have a million different opinions, you've got social media. You can you can say what you want and virtually have no consequence for saying it because of the internet. Well, we've been talking about the the side of it also, where where we can't say what we really think and feel or want it, or, or we can't be impulsive about something because our words are printed. Or our words are out there broadcast so that right. So now we're under under heat for that's who we are. It's not just like so. I'm coming at it from a different angle. I like what you're what you're saying. It's like going back to what we were talking about with Shane earlier. Is that um, we, I I have to think uh, in a situation I'm not so much with us with us because I feel intimate about it. I can say what's on my mind. Mm-hmm. But if you want, if we're going to be out there, they're going to be out there. The celebrities are are now so intimately connected with us by the internet, and there's so much transparency. It's an overkill for for me because you get just enough to to be able to establish an opinion about Will Smith and why he did it or Chris Rock. We start getting all sorts of opinions like what we're doing, and those right. opinions don't really reflect the depth of what we need to know about what we, what was going on and what was really there. Now, do we really need to know that? I don't want to know it. I don't care about knowing it, about right. it. But people get off, our society gets off on on those, obviously, you know, that it's been played back a zillion times. They get off on that. What do we get off on? That's a good question. And, right. and so I think it's too late to answer the question yes or no, because it's already there. Because it's already but there, right? It's, it's already there. But I do, I, I do believe that a thoughtful discussion about what we—it—it'll it, never get on on the internet because it's not exciting enough. It's not dramatic enough. Doesn't make a headline. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to be able to. I, I mean, I feel badly for Chris Rock being slapped. I feel. Um, I mean, I feel. Uh, uncomfortable about what how Will Smith handled that, so I need to be able to check in with myself and see what I can learn about that about myself. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to have a constructive d- discussion, I would be cautious about trying to interpret who what they were thinking and feeling, because that's where it gets I get into trouble. Then I start forming judgments, you know, like Will right. Smith is an asshole or something for doing that, and that's not that. Then that tell that says more about me. 
Although right. nobody's going to pay attention to what Phil Toll thinks about it, which is fine, right? Yeah, you, they might. <laughs> you never know. Well, I know. So, but it's it's back. amazing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go. It's amazing. Go. I was going to say it's amazing how times have really changed, though. Because I mean, you look, same, exactly. or, uh, some kind of monster came out in '04. How do you think that would work in 2022? Could Metallica release another? intimate look into their life you know things aren't always perfect even the last few years for certain members of the band you know not not everything has been a hundred percent perfect there would be a lot more reaction but they, they got to give metallica credit and berlinger and sanofsky and because they you know mm-hmm. i think you guys know this and i don't know whether we talked about this before but they they with metallica being in a slump the management wanted to, to jack them up a little bit, trying to try to get them, you know, get some exposure. So it was going to, they brought in the two uh, documentarians, not to document what eventually happened which spontaneously, but they brought them in to try to promote, you know, mm-hmm. promote album, you know, promote music, stuff like that, because they were slumping. So what it turned out to be was spontaneity. That, that is the spontaneity that we've been talking about, the uncertainty going into that situation, uh, with so many things happening spontaneously that I think people viewed it with the way they needed to view it. Wow. Right. You know, that was a transformative documentary. Okay. It was edited and it, it you know, it was like 2000 hours broke, broken down into an hour, two hours and 20 minutes or something. But today we would want more. We want way more drama. It would be edited more differently. Right. Uh, it You know, I got, uh, hung out to try, uh, and in that, and and so I, you know, um, I I probably would have been banned from, you know, I mean, I don't know what it would happen to me, but I mean, the, hashtag there were, cancel Phil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but um, the again, you see glimpses, even little bits and pieces of something that goes on in a in an edited documentary that's that is supposed to be transparent. And people are jumping on different pieces of it as if they know what is really happening and they can draw this conclusion. What you guys are stimulating, thank you for this again. It's what you again are reminding me of is what we've talked about already. And that is when I'm watching something, the most important thing, when I have an emotional reaction to it, it's less about them or what was going on. It's more, it's more about me. And if we do more of that anyway, as if, if the, the globe needs this because we can't solve problems by judging people and determining um, short-lived versions of what we think they are to convenience ourselves. And we get into fights with one another because we're not willing to, to pay attention to what the other person is feeling, thinking, and that's where we need to go. And you guys, are, you guys do that well with each other. And, and, and I think we're doing that, the three of us. I mean, it's, we're, you know, we're interacting. We're not, mm-hmm. we're playing, we're riffing off of each other. A good, a good band riffs off of each, each other, you know. Yep, well, Phil, when so you mentioned. We need more of that. I mean, you, you, war separates, war divides, and war, it, there, when there's a, there are no winners. And when one person, when one person wins an argument, they've lost the relationship a lot of times. Phil, when you speak about the 2,000 hours whittled down to 90 minutes, was there some moments or even some funny moments that didn't make the film that you wish did? Now he wants to get us back to funny, right? Because it's getting a little too serious. <laughs> okay, so no, when, you, hey, when I think of 2,000 hours, holy cow. There were, <laughs> there were lots. 
I think there was a lot of fun in the process, uh, but there were serious times, you know, that, so it was whittled down to actually two hours and 20 minutes. That's what, I don't know. Anyway, it was, they did a great job of editing. And, and because they have a vision, they wanted to present something, you know, if, if, if the three of us had edited it, if we had looked mm-hmm. at the film, we'd have, mm-hmm. we'd have done a different film. That's right. another thing, you know, you talk about editing. And, and I edit every time I, I'm interacting with somebody. So I'm hearing what, Jeff, I'm hearing what Shane says, and I'm, I'm in my mind interpreting what that is. And if he asked me, so what did I just say, which it would be great, then I would have to say, oh, here's my interpretation of it. And not only my interpretation of it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be getting the soul of what, if I was paying attention to what I was going to say, right. I wasn't listening to one of my favorite songs is um, In the Living Years, Mike and the Mechanics, Paul. Oh, nice. You know, and in the you know you could listen to what you're hearing. You know, um, um, so th- I think the editing process in life is critical here, and I think the documentary, if it to circle back around, the documentary would, you know, be it's a different era. Like I said, it's a different era, and we and we can't say what we really think and feel, and when we do, people are pissed off about it. Very true. <laughs> Yep, this is this is true. Welcome to 2022. That's what I would say to a time traveler from the 80s. Don't say anything. Um, <laughs> post a, bun- uh, post a bunch of weird shit on the internet, and yeah, you're good to go. I love if, it. I love if it. I would have been the editor of some kind of monster, there would yes. have been a DVD bonus feature of Phil's sweater closet. <laughs> I agree. Well, that's kind interactive, of- too, where you could pick one off. Yeah, you could pick and one. Turn it yeah. around on the hanger. I would have loved Put the sweater I, on the other band members. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, come on. We would have loved sweater today, right? But we would have. I, I, I'm wearing a sweater. It's not knitted, but I should have. Um, worn a sweater today. You know, let's face it. We all wish we could have seen what Lars would have looked like in one of those sweaters. <laughs> Here, Mr. Bob Rock, put this on. Right. They, they actually, Kirk would have done fine with the sweater. I think I, Kirk, can, know, Kirk can rock anything, Phil. He's the fashion guy in the band. He's definitely got that. Super you know, guy. super good. <laughs> Jeff and I were on stage last week in Destin, Florida, Phil, when we heard the news of uh, Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters. Yes. It made me think that maybe you can't discuss this. Maybe you can in your in your time with the band around the St. Anger era. How much was Cliff brought up as a group or when you were doing dealing with individuals? Was that really dealt with during that time, or you didn't hear much? Was about what Cliff really Burton? dealt with? Talking about Cliff Burton. Okay, like when um, they were bringing a new bass player in. You know, the the the, the obviously the the most important piece was uh, when, um, well, not the most important piece. Well, you know, whenever the Cliff was brought up, when people referenced a transformation that took place in the band. Sure. I mean, and the fact that the grieving never took place, right? The grieving, yeah. and I think that was maybe mentioned in the film, but I mean, it's like. I've always thought about that because once Cliff left, once Cliff died, they were on tour three or four weeks later. I know. And they w- quickly brought um, Jason on board. Yeah. And Jason really took the wrath, and this is pretty well documented, took the wrath of the lack of grieving for mm-hmm. Cliff. Because he came, nobody had a chance to 
it's premature, like prematurely, you know, you get out of a relationship and you go prematurely into another one. And the, uh, and then now the new relationship is compared to the old one. And Cliff never, you know, they missed him horribly. Jason did a great job to get, you know, being, you know, gradually working his way into the band. Phenomenal. But the grieving, lack of grieving, meant that all of the anger that the guys had and the PTSD uh, and uh, the all of the uh, unre- unresolved stuff was, la- you know, landed on Jason mm-hmm. and unfairly, which is which led ultimately, uh, you know, has to have influenced the outcome eventually because Jason at a certain point was fed up, you know, naturally fed up with being constantly treated as the, you know, you'll never live up to, you know, it wasn't said, you know, I don't think, I don't think it was said that way. It was just that the emotional reactions were, it's the subconscious stuff was dumped on. Were they aware that they never went through a proper grieving process or once, they brought once, that to your they, attention? They were most aware of it at some point when we were doing the process because when gotcha. we were digging, when we started going in, into stuff, that's when you, you know, find out more. What do you think of Dave Grohl right now after you lose Kurt Cobain and now Taylor Hawkins? What do I think about Grohl? Where did the Foo like, Fighters go from here after someone of, of that status loses, you know, not one best friend, but now right. two? It's like, I, I would be very interested in how, I, I would be very, that's a great, that's a very sensitive point, Shane. Do you I think mean, there was a, go ahead, oh, sorry. Go, no, go. I was going to say, do you think there was a sense of grieving after Jason left? Like, do you think they took time to to grieve and reflect on that? Obviously, there was a, a good amount of time between Jason leaving and Rob joining. But obviously, with everything that's going on with James, the band in turmoil, their their bass player leaves. Do you think they they really got to to grieve properly of, about the Jason loss as well? And obviously, a different kind of loss. But, you know, I got to imagine there was some kind of process they had to go through to accept that. You guys are asking some great questions, and and I mean that sincerely because you're asking questions that that involve depth exploration. All right, and I don't want to minimize that. I was still trying to skate over the 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 part of um, Shane that wants us to do some funny stuff here. But I mean, it's I'll like get there. We'll get there. We got some fan submitted questions, Phil. Okay, look, the the grieving that's that's a huge point. All right, and the they did the the timing of things, which is often out of our, it's more of a, sometimes a divine intervention is really what happens in life, really. So Jason walked in the first session, remember, that I had with them at a, at a starkly dramatic moment in time and said, I'm out. And that blew up the whole, I mean, that was it was a very fragile time for all of us, for me, for sure, because I, you know, that I could not, there's a good chance I would not be working with the band. You know? mm-hmm. um, if it had not turned out that I came back in and Lars said, let him stay. So Jason was seen ultimately then as an enemy by the, the band. You know, the whole, there was a big issue about whether or not uh, he could do his own singular stuff solo stuff and there was a control over the you know there's a certain control over that issue that was offensive so the blow up brought a, a, a really another dimension into play 
is it connected with the whole thing with Cliff? Yes, in some ways, like we're talking about. Then James, a few months, this was before the film, you know, before, you know, there were two or three months before the documentarians got on board. So during that time, there was a lot of discussion about whether or not how to handle that. Uh, and there, there was a lot of tension that would have, if we had been, if we would have been able to stay with that, we and 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 we had built the the, the therapeutic process into play. If it had been, you know, put in play, then yeah. we would have done a lot of that, right? But a few months later, James has a crisis and goes off into rehab. Now the whole Jason thing is not irrelevant, but it's. There's no chance for the traction, the possibility of Jason returning, because that the focus is now on whether the band is ever going to be a band. Right. And then, you know, later on, um, you know, then at the treatment center and stuff like that, there was there was some work about the Cliff Burton thing, and then, uh, you know, it's it's the Jason situation never got processed to answer your question, Jeff. But I don't know, you know, looking at it in a broad way, there are a lot of things that don't get processed or where they flow, they, they fold into another time in life where, mm. like we're talking about right now, where, sure. where it's, there's still a chance to work on those kinds of things, right? Yep. Yep. Just not in the yeah. context that we have. Yeah. I was just surprised in our, in our first episode with you, Phil, that Cliff never got brought up and... I, I had to ask you this time. I wasn't letting you get away with it. <laughs> yeah, I can't say no. I, I can't say that he, he was never brought up. He was brought up, but it wasn't the. You can see now, like with the Jason and James, you know, with Jason leaving, and then James shortly thereafter going to rehab. Right. The focus was right. on let's save the band, not um, like like Cliff. Did you have some thoughts about the Cliff thing? Because it's important to you. What what are you thinking now? To me, Phil? Yeah, yeah. Shame. No, I've always found it interesting when you when you when you look at the timeline of of Cliff's death and how nothing got dealt with. They they jumped right over to Japan. Jason wasn't a, a full time member yet. He was kind of a hired gun for what we understand the first couple months. And you know, I think they just wanted to keep the train rolling and absolutely they, they were on absolutely. such i mean they were you know they're on a rocket ride to success coming off the aussie tour that, that i think they and you have to look at of how young they were at the time too and right. even management at the time i mean their management's been great but even in 86 their management is is some young cats and i don't think anyone even thought about it it was what do we do to keep it going and we'll deal with it later again a sensitive comment and that's what i can see if these are the kinds of things that you guys share, you know, you're not just throwing opinions out. You're, you're offering sensitive observations with thoughtfulness attached. And thank you for that. So what that leads me in, in, in to, to think about is it for the kind of question that you asked twice. Okay. What does that Shane? What does that mean to you in your life? What's relevant? What's a, what is a projection of something that's happened to you that's that, that might be, why is that important? Why is that question important to you personally? Well, I can actually relate to jumping out of a relationship and getting into another one very early. Okay. Or I or too soon and, and knowing how 
knowing how that's not healthy. Um, I think I ask it from a point of my dad was a funeral director and taught me the importance of the grieving process oh, and, wow. and, and to have closure Wow! and how important, uh, how important a funeral is for the living. It's not for the dead. Oh man, that's so beautiful. So I, I kind of always think about how nothing, when that happened with Cliff from what we know, wasn't really dealt with. There, there really wasn't a funeral. He was, he was cremated. There wasn't a chance to view the body and it was just kind of all swept away and we'll deal with later and we got to go to Japan. Thank you so much. And, you know, audience, look, you know, pay attention to these guys from not just the standpoint of providing a wonderful forum for Metallica, but pay attention to how Jeff and Shane reveal something about themselves in a way that that's interesting and also can be something that each of you out there can um, project onto them and learn about, you know, when you're having a reaction to them. Pay attention to what it means to you. Not just to, this is not just about gathering information, which is fun, uh, you know, sharing stories, talking about Metallica, but but mm-hmm. the the content, the substantive content is is how the interaction with your hosts and you all out there, uh, what that means to you all, and, and and you know that's a way for us all to grow. So I you know when I heard like Shane talking about his dad and the funeral director and that kind of thing. I also thought about his relationship with his father, which I don't know anything about, but isn't, but isn't it, isn't it sweet that that lesson learned, which is a very valuable lesson learned is something that Shane carries forward with him, with him to where, whatever he does. And then he notices, you know, so there, there has to be a process that creates an opportunity in our inner intimacy and relationship it's precious to have uh, moments with fellow human beings and get closer. The objective of communication is to get closer, right? And I think we, the three of us, do that. And mm-hmm. and so the audience gets a chance to get closer to you guys. You guys get a get chance to get closer. It's not quite the same way because it's, this is a, you know, you don't have a whole bunch of people out there. Although it would be great for you to do that with a Zoom or something. But it but the intimacy that's created is also the prototype for solving the world. Because I know something more about these guys each time I'm with them. And, and they know something more about me. And you know something more about me and, uh, and us. We don't know something more about you. But we hope that uh, until, unless you share with us. So again, when you share with us, with them, when you share with them what you are feeling about a moment like this, you know, to do a chat, maybe do you guys do a chat or something like that, or you don't do a chat, do you? We don't know. Okay, but but a real time thing. But let them know. Let let Jeff know what you're thinking and feeling about him. Okay. Oh. Right. That's that's deadly. Right. And, Jeff, you're not a driving instructor anymore. You're a problem solver. Right. <laughs> the, the, the the kind of questions that you guys ask, and you know, it's it's gold. And, and then with, with Shane specifically, what we're talking about right now, maybe say you have some stories about grieving. Maybe you have some stories about um, your relationship with, with truth, what you learn as a kid, mm-hmm. um, what you struggle with now. Things like that are, if we're, if we're, if we're, if we're uh, honoring Metallica in this episode, then we're honoring a band 
that was the prototype of transformation, the prototype that was willing, going back to what Jeff was saying, they were willing to come forward in, in a documentary to be open and spontaneous in a way that gave us the kind of intimacy we would never get, edited or not. So right. we, we honor and respect that. That's never been, you know, there have been, there've been things since then. But I, I, in no small way has Metallica um, offered something that transformed the music industry. There's no question about it. And they had to have the balls to do it. Someone it had to do it. That's right. Wow, that was deep. I, I hope you're not charging us by the minute, Phil. <laughs> he said, no, don't worry. Just the worry. flat rate. Just the flat Just rate. Just the flat rate. <laughs> it, right? but... Hey, do you accept a check? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. Right. But it's, now it's all Venmo and, and PayPal. And, yeah, Apple Pay. Right. You know, right? And, yeah, right. How come we didn't invent PayPal or Venmo? Where, where, where did we miss the bus on that thing? Well, everything is, you know, everything is, is convenient. I know. Which is bullshit. Every time I'm riding in an Uber or a Lyft, it's like, damn, I should have thought about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, you, you, if you're riding in an Uber, it's more convenient mm-hmm. um, and not as convenient as, as, a, as a, the new, you know, the car of the future, which will drive you your own. Mm-hmm. But it also takes away the fun of driving too, right? It, it doesn't, it, it makes it less stressful in, to have somebody else driving and knows where the, knows where they're going. It provides an, an opportunity to get connected with an Uber driver or whatever, get to know another human being in the moment, which is cool. Pros and cons, Phil. But there is a side effect. Of that. that is true. And I do enjoy driving. I like to be <laughs> in control. Yeah, that's good. In yeah. control of a car that can control you. Right. That's why I drive <laughs> right. a Tesla. <laughs> you have a Tesla? I love my Tesla fill. It's nice Everybody when it can drive itself Tesla. at times, but I, I still like to just be old school and punch it down and, and be in control. Punch it down. He talks about old school, Phil. I have a BMW with a manual, so that's old school there. <laughs> that is old school. I like my three pedals. I went through all of the, you know, like the, not all of them, but I went through, we, we went through like BMWs and stuff. And it was like, there was a period of time where being around um, movie stars and, and Metallica and, and bands and, and famous people, um, not that there's not some of that now, but there, there was a time in, in my own insecurity that it was important for me to drive a car that when I pulled up to wherever they were, that they were impressed. So, so, um, got you gotta, gotta look the part, Phil. <laughs> that's right. Now, now I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my, um, Toyota Benza and, there you go. and my, and my Toyota, um, it's a, it's a, the dog rascal, my, our dog rascal likes the car that has the, it's like a. Um, SUV kind of thing, right? It's a Toyota something. It's a dog's like a Highlander or right? Rev for Highlander. There we go. Highlander. There you go. No Lowlander for me. No, yeah, yeah no. <laughs> Highlander all the way. The way you brought up the car feel is a perfect segue here. We've got some some fan questions, and the first one just happens to be I didn't even edit this on my iPhone. Speaking of editing, so here's number one. Did you have a favorite hot rod or classic car that you rode in with Mister Hetfield? <laughs> James. Um, no, I, I, James had some, you know, great cars. We used to go over to his house a lot and see some of what he had. It's, he had some great cars, and we had actually a day where at the races where we all took, we all took the, we went to the track in, in Northern California and, and race cars fun. and stuff, and that was fun. That but I, I couldn't tell you what I couldn't tell you. I like. I guess I my favorite thing is the motorcycle they would drive. We would ride. I think okay. that, 
Okay. He had like that chopper at the time. When you rode with Metallica, Phil, who was the worst driver? Well, when we rode someplace, we rode with somebody else who was driving. Of you course. Know, a, 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 a limo driver. Of course. Oh, so he, ne- he never got to experience 91 Lars in a white Porsche. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, I never thought about them in the driver's seat, except metaphorically. So I pass on that question. Sorry. That was a good no problem. I, I, I messed that one. Sorry. Well, this one, this one you'll be able to hit a home run on. What surprised you about their tour life? Luxury hotels, the private jets, the catering, what was to die for, or the thousands of fans throwing themselves at the band 24-7? What, what surprised you the most about them on the road? Surprised? Yeah. What was most eye-opening about how they tour? Um, post, it, when we were in Europe, let's say, um, uh, in Europe at, after the show, breaking out the sushi at two o'clock in the morning and oh, I love sushi, you know, and it was like, I mean, Oh wait, I got a favorite Lars story about this. You'll like this one. This will be funny. All right. Lars, Lars, um, we were scheduled to, um, fly to, I don't remember where it was. Anyway, we, 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 lo- we were scheduled to be at the you know, Marin airport in California to fly. Okay. We're going to pick up his dad and, um, his mom or, you know, his uh, stepmom, and we were and we were going to go then to Lars and everybody. We we're going to join everybody else somewhere. I can't remember where, where it was. I got to I got to the Marin Airport in in time, but Lars didn't. Okay, which isn't wasn't unusual at that at that point. So I got there, and the the guys the 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 private plane. It was a private plane. The private plane people were getting frustrated because they knew they couldn't get to L.A. or whatever it was in time. And or no, we had to go to Washington State or something to pick up his parents. But so we were going to miss connections. So we got there and we had indeed he finally shows up. We missed the connection. So he immediately had his people call and get us on another plane. I think a, a regular plane. Right. Mm-hmm. First class, probably to go to LA or something like that, or go but pick up their family and stuff like that. And he takes, he goes on on the the, the plane that, that was that was hired. So remember, they they paid for that plane. Now they lost, they blew it. That's whatever was lost. So he goes on the plane and he and he goes around and he collects all the food <laughs> and, bring, and brings us with brings it with, with him to the next leg of the flight. <laughs> It was so cool. It was so cool to watch him. You know, it was like, I don't know what it's 20 grand or something. It was chump change, whatever it was. Right. It ain't for, cheap, for right. Right. But whatever it was, he blew it. They, I mean, he was getting his it. money's worth of sushi off that. But he point. got the suit. He got that would be he our, did. that would be our base player. You know, if like we oh, had to switch buses or something, he would go on the bus and make sure he grabbed every bit of food before he left that bus yes. and went on to the next one. Right. <laughs> For me, making sure that all the Southwest peanuts was was still in my possession. Oh, don't talk about Southwest. <laughs> Jeff, you got some some we other got questions one more? for Phil? Uh, I have two quick questions from you. Uh, first yeah. one comes in from a listener named Sam Gray. He wants to know, uh, you know, the whole Mustaine session with Lars. He wants to know how that felt and your thoughts on how Mustaine was feeling and and kind of his attitude towards the band about being kicked out of the band and did James ever get 
that session. Cause you know, at the end he says, you know, by no means is this over. There's a, you know, very important person missing or whatever the exact quote is. So, so did James ever get that session with Mustaine? And I don't, how was he I feeling? don't know what they did not have a, a session where we were filming anything. If they okay. met and I have, I have a strong feeling James has done such transformative work. I mean, what a, what a man, what an amazing human being could be mm-hmm. to do all the stuff that he did to go through everything he did to get himself together. So I think he probably has talked to Mustaine is my guess. The Mustaine session itself was pivotal for Lars and Dave, but it wasn't, in, it wasn't complete for Dave. I mean, obviously it was, a, it was the first chance that Mustaine had had to be able to purge. And I think Lars did a great job of opening up and being doing his best to, to take it on without trying to change Dave's mind or he couldn't really, he couldn't really answer the soulful part of what Dave's, that Dave's pain. He couldn't heal that pain. Dave has yeah. to heal that pain in response to where it was, what was going on. But the conversation was, a, was an opener. It was, a, it was a great opener for, for them to be able to, to, it was a way for each of them to communicate uh, what was in their heart and on their minds. And like so many parts of life, it's just a, it, it's not a standalone. It had its own standalone features, but it wasn't standalone. It was a, it was an opportunity for both of them to reconnect in a, in a healthy way. And, you know, they look what happened. They brought Mustang back when they were, you know, um, inducted into Hall of Fame, right? So it was like, so, so that, that was a part, you know, that led to that. I'm sure that was part of it. Very well Good said. Point. And, Forgot about and then uh, one last question comes from Mr. Nico Valdez. Uh, he's in an up and coming band. He says, what advice do you have for young bands who find themselves in similar situations like Metallica, where bandmates have internal conflict, but they refuse to talk about it with each other out of fear it'll tear the band apart? What piece of advice would you give for those? What's, what's his name? Bands? What's his first name? His, his name is Nico. Nico. Yep. Right. Nico from Albuquerque. Okay. Nico, listen, um, that is a, just the asking of the question is, is an important step because that means that you and hopefully your bandmates recognize there's a problem. Two, number two, conflict is, the design of conflict is grossly misunderstood in our society. Its objective is to, is to break open stuckness, staleness. Um, uh, and and when, you, when you guys are stuck in the same patterns and in conflict, it's, it's not uh, it, w- w- in our society right now. We want to run from conflict because we're afraid that it'll blow us up. Indeed, what it's tr- designed to do is to blow up the stuckness, like I said. So w- what you need to do is to talk it out. Now, you, you most likely need a mediator, somebody that can help you, um, you know, kind of mediate this or, or at least facilitate the discussion. And the most important thing, Nico, when you go into it is you look at what we were talking about at the beginning of our session today, the three of us, you look at your own projections. What is it I'm expecting of them? What is it going, what's, what are they triggering in me that I need to change about Nico? So each of us looking at our piece of it takes the pressure off of, you got to change to make me feel better because that never works. That's what we do in our society. You know, if I, if, when I'm in a fight with my wife, it's like, she's got to change and not me. The, the, it doesn't work that way. If each of us takes a look at what, what this fight or disagreement is triggering in each of us, then we have an opportunity to grow some. That's a great answer. That is a great Love answer. <laughs> I think we should do it again, you guys. 
I would I would love 3.0. I'd love to do a 3.0. If, if we do if we do it then let's do with it. let's get the questions from the from the guys and I'll shut I'll shut my shut up and I'll start with and the no, three of us can respond to the questions, okay? That'd be great. Another so another I, group therapy. Three it'd be cool to do, 3. yeah, kind of. <laughs> it'd be cool to do a kind of, yeah, like a round table, you know, just get, yeah. have our listeners send in a bunch of questions and we all just kind of answer them and exactly. see see how much smarter Phil is than Shane and I. No, 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 no. <laughs> that means Phil will have to join our Jump in the Fire Metallica trivia round and we'll see how he does. <laughs> Can we do a, some kind of monster trivia for him? Me <laughs> versus <laughs> Phil, the guy who was there so, versus the guy who's seen the movie a million embarrass times. Don't <laughs> Well, thank you so much again, Phil. We we can't thank you enough. Thank you. Hey, listen, my pleasure. You guys are so great to be with, and you, you're I, the quality of interaction, the quality of questions is is off the charts. So hopefully, get some response from people, and let's see what we can do. Okay. We appreciate it, Phil. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.
Pushing to stay with something better